0: Lord, we ask you to come to us through your word and dwell in us. Help us to know you more accurately so that we can love you more intimately and follow you more powerfully. Lord, we are yours. We believe in you. Come get us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. You know, any pastor that's not intimidated preaching on Easter needs to have his head examined. Uh, Anything you say is going to be an understatement as to what God has done for us. I was a history and government uh, uh, major in my undergraduate work and and I studied a lot about the World War II and I heard a story one time about this uh, prisoner in a concentration camp, Buchenwald. And here was a man who had had the life beat out of him. He was starving to death. And he had been in there so long he had lost hope. He had lost all will to live. He was resigned to die. And then on April 11th, 1945, the Allied forces came and broke the bonds of those gates. And he walked out, half starved, just a skeleton in his prisoner's garb. And he found one of the soldiers and and he wanted to thank him. And all that would come out of his mouth were these words, glad to see you. He walked away thinking, glad to see you? That's all I've got? well that's what preachers do on easter glad to see you jesus you're the liberator of our life you're the rescuer without you we're dead and dead is final but we're glad to see you so i i gotta tell you this is we're just going to do a thumbnail review of the easter story but here i want to share something with you today that's not usually shared on easter I want to to give you what Paul Harvey used to call the rest of the story. Because just as important as what happened Easter morning is what happened Easter night. Not many people talk about that. First of all, let me kind of review some of the story written in John 20. And I've been reviewing this for like 45 years of ministry. And it never runs out of depth for me. Mary comes to the tomb early in the morning while it was still dark and finds the stone rolled away. She knows that Jesus isn't in there and she runs and gets a couple of disciples, Peter and another one, and they run toward the tomb. The first one is faster, but Peter is braver and he actually goes in. And, and, and the body's gone, you know? Now here are the words of Mary. Blame. They've taken away my Savior. I don't know where he is. They've taken away the Lord. I don't know where he is. And so typical man, what do the men do? When they, when they find out the situation, I, I don't want to be sexist here, but I just little observation. Men are wired differently than women are. Men are very categorical. And so when you see there's nothing to be done, what do the men do? They go home. All right, nothing to do here. I'm going home. Now, this is a great mystery to women. Women say, what are you doing? I, I not, uh, that was that and this is them. You know, women will say, how can you not think about this? I don't know, it's a gift, I just can't. I, you know, I just, <laughs> I just, it's, you know. Many women will stay around and they'll dwell. They'll dwell for a while. Because they, they think there's, there's gotta be something I can do Even when there's nothing they can do, there's gotta be something I can do. And so Mary was weeping and the angels. she looked in the tomb, there were angels. What are you crying about? Second accusation, they've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they've laid him. Then Jesus comes. She didn't recognize Jesus. Now, how could she not recognize Jesus? She spent years with Jesus. Well, some people say it's because she was crying so hard she couldn't see straight. Some people say that he had changed form, and so he wouldn't look exactly the same. Both of those may be true, but let me tell you the real reason. She wasn't looking for a live Jesus. She just wanted a dead Jesus, because that was her category you remember a few weeks ago, I talked to you about the reticular activating system, how we tend to not see things we're not looking for. Could I just say this without offending many of you? I don't, actually, I don't care if you offend you or not, it's true. <laughs> Most of us have a dead Jesus. I mean, if he's alive, he's in heaven, but we don't expect him to actually come walking into our lives. We don't expect him to actually speak to us. We don't expect to actually have him come in and address us in our everyday life. And and, and I gotta tell you, there's a reason for that. We can believe in God all day long, and as long as our belief in him and what we wanna believe about him is in our hands, we're safe. But when he starts to approach us, we're not. And so therefore, we kinda like to be I remember this story about this little boy. When I was growing up, sleeping in the dark was a big deal. Your parents taught you not to be afraid of the dark. Now, now it's harder to do these days because light is so ubiquitous. I mean, we always have lights on everywhere. But back then, you know, there was a custom that you would choose a date and, and turn, pull the light out of the room. Well, they tried to do it, little Freddy. And real, little Freddy was on board with the concept until the first night. He lasted about five minutes, comes out of the dark room. He looks at his mama and he says, I'm not doing that. Said, it's it's scary in there. And his mom's trying to reassure him. Freddie, there's nothing in the dark that isn't in the light. And Jesus is in there with you, you're safe. He cracks the door open, sticks his little lips into the dark and says, Jesus, if you're in there, don't move or you're gonna scare the life out of me. That's the way we are. We want a belief in God, but when he comes walking into our lives, we're not quite so sure. Let me tell you something about Easter. Easter's not just about him showing up after death. Jesus didn't rise after death and go, ta-da, so that we could go, oh good, we get to live forever. That's a wonderful gift. That's a supreme gift to have the confidence that those in him will have eternal life after we die. But there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. And so let me me share with you what happened Easter night, okay? It says in the latter part of John 20, so when it came evening, on that day, the first day of the week, let me just talk, talk you through it. The doors were locked, the the, the disciples were afraid. He came into the room. How? Another sermon altogether. But he came into the room, said, peace be with you. And then he showed them his hands and his feet. Now, understand this. The quickest way to to, to reconnect with someone is not through your victory, but through your woundedness. People respect strength, but they connect at weakness. And so he, he showed them the cost of his love. Love costs, you know? And when people see what it costs you, they connect with you at your woundedness level. And it says, and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And then it says these words. And when he had said this, or, sorry, peace be with you, he said, as the Father sent me I also send you. That's the second part of Easter. Easter is not about eternal life after you die. Easter is about spreading eternal life while you live. I send you into a world that needs you. They needs to. Ha- they need to have what you have. And then He did this to equip them. And when He had said this, He breathed on them. Do you remember? what happened when God created the first man. Genesis 2-7, He breathed on him. In the scripture, the word for breath is the same word for spirit, ruach. That's the Hebrew word. In other words, He gave them the Holy Spirit. That's what brought the first man to life, and that's what gave the new man, the new generation, the new men and women, the new creatures, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature, the Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. Now, what's happening here? Let me tell you a story. Years ago, I was watching the Discovery Channel. I know. it wasn't even, the Discovery Channel wasn't back. It, it was National Geographic, something or other. And I was watching the diving bell. You ever, you ever see a diving bell? It was one of those old versions where they, where they send these things down way down deep in the ocean. And, and of course it's tethered with a line with oxygen and with electricity because they want to turn on the lights when they get down there. But that diving bell was made of steel three inches thick. And the glass was three inches thick. Why? Well, you know, the deeper you go, the more pressure there is. And where they were going, the the pressure was thousands of pounds per square inch of their body. Without that protection, they would have been crushed like a grape. Well, they go all the way down, deeper than anyone has ever gone, and they switch on the light, and they look out the window. And you know what they see? Fish. <laughs> now I know what you're thinking, oh good, I got up this morning to come and listen to the obvious. Now wait, 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 think about this just for a minute. How come the fish aren't being squashed? How come the fish aren't being crushed? They don't have three inches of steel. Here's the principle. Because you have to have on the inside what is equal or greater than that which is on the outside. He was about to send them into the world just like he'll send us into the world today. And if you don't have living on the inside what is equal or greater than what is on the outside, you will be crushed. And that's why every one of us, every one of us needs The Holy Spirit on the inside. The residence of Jesus himself. Jesus didn't come to die just for us. He he came to give himself to us, in us. Receive the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something that you probably already know but may not have thought about. If you don't have the life giver in you, the one who gives life, then you will be sucked dry by all the people around you who drain your life out of you. Anybody got, you don't have to raise your hand and you don't have to point. (laughs) But anybody got anybody in their life just sucks them dry. I mean, just suck, these people are black holes. You can't fill them enough. They're always depressed. They're always needy. they're always, we call them emotional vampires. They will suck you dry. What's the answer? Run away? You can't run away from them. Most of them are in your family. No, the answer is, have the life giver in you so that you are continually being replenished it's like a fountain of living waters that wells up inside of you so that you have enough so that you're not dependent on them to give you life you've already got life if you don't have in you the organizer of the universe you remember how this goes first words of scripture In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. That is, it was chaos. Watch this. And the spirit hovered over the face of the deep. I love those words. The spirit hovered over the face of the deep. And God spoke. And there began to be order. That word, John 1 says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, Logos, is the organizing principle of the universe. What do you have in the world? Chaos, entropy, everything falls apart out there. All systems dissolve into chaos. How many of you, don't have to raise your hand, live a -a whack-a-mole life you know what i mean by whack-a-mole some of you have been in arcades and and you and there's a game in the arcade where you take a mallet and the whole thing is whatever mole pops up you're supposed to whack and you never know where they're going to pop up and that's just kind of how that's the whole game could i just say for many of you that's your everyday. that's how you live problem bang problem bang problem bang challenge bang you live a chaotic life and how many of you don't have to raise your hands get to the end of your day and say I wonder if I got anything accomplished today I wonder if I'm making any progress at all does it ever even matter what I'm doing You see, if you don't have the organizing principle living inside of you, you'll never know what's important and you'll never remember that God is working through you way beyond what the results appear to be in the moment. Which just brings up another subject. If you don't have the eternal living in you, all you got is temporary. Because the world is just full, what is seen is temporary. Temporary. In other words, we're tossed about by every wind of doctrine. That's what it says in Ephesians. We don't have the eternal truth and so therefore we kind of believe something every time, something different every time we hear something, which is no stability whatsoever. Our life changes every time there's a change in our circumstances, which is no stability whatsoever. So Jesus knew that sending us out into the world would get us crushed. And so he filled us up with himself. That's what the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5, 20 and, uh, 22, uh, Galatians 5 22 and 23 say, these are qualities you have. And I, I'm gonna go, I'm not gonna go through every one of these. I'm just gonna pick a couple and then, and then, just, and then just close. I want you to know what you have inside of you if you're a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, we'll give you a chance to become a Christian before you get out of here. If you invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, that means He's living in your heart. If He's living in your heart, the Spirit is also with you, in you. You can't, watch it. You can't divide the Son from the Spirit. He's, he's indivisible. So if Jesus is in there, the Spirit's in there. If the Spirit's in there, guess what you have? Well, let's go down to some of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. What, 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 just let me pick out a couple. You got joy in there. How many of, of you, don't, don't raise your hands, look for every day just for a little bit of happiness, just something to make you feel a little better and you totally ignore the joy you have inside of you, the joy that comes with being unconquerably equipped, being loved no matter what, unconditionally loved, knowing that God will give you whatever you need to carry out his mission for your life, and if you don't have it yet, he will give it to you when you need it. See most people live a life of aggravation. The world's a whole world of aggravation, everybody's aggravated, just aggravated. But let me tell you what happens if you listen to the world. If you listen to the world, you become sad, then you become depressed. I mean, listen to the news, listen to the election cycle. I mean, you just you, if you're not depressed, man, something's wrong here. You, There's no answers out there because you already have the answer in here. You'll become sad. You'll become depressed. Sooner or later, you will withdraw. You will self-isolate and then you'll give up. But you already have the joy, the unconquerable joy living inside of you. Patience. That's another quality you already have. I, I, I used to get tickled. One time they asked Billy Graham how he got so much patience. He said, I don't have any more patience than anybody else has. I just use mine. You live in a whole world of impulse. Everybody needs it now. I need to have it now. I need to be gratified now. I need to act now. You know, if you live in that world, you will almost certainly overreact and you will make things worse. Do you know what patience gives you? It gives you control back over your life because you're always reacting to what's going on around you. You have no control. You're giving up control. They're controlling you. Patience gives you the time and the depth and the peace to take it to God and to respond in an appropriate way, put you back in charge of your life. That's what God wants you to have. He doesn't want you to be impressed by the things of this world, oppressed. Kindness and goodness, faithfulness, oh man. You know, unless, unless you have faithfulness in, 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 in contradiction to the world's fickleness, You know, the world is so fickle. How many of you ever had a relationship, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to point, where you thought they were there for you? And they were, until they got a better deal. Now they're not. Those who don't live in faithfulness will never know what contentment is. Do you remember what Paul said? I've learned to be content. Whether I have a lot or I have a little, I've learned to be content. Do you know what it is to love for a very long time the same person or the same group of people? It's contentment. To not need anything more than what you have. It's contentment. It's satisfaction. It's victory. And self-control, oh my goodness. We live in a world of immediate indulgence. I I, I wish I could take you through every one of these and I probably will because we're going to be talking about the the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit as as we go into the next realm. So come back and hear more about these. But we live in a world that grabs every indulgence. Now I'm not talking about these little mini indulgences at Seasons 52. I, I, I love season 52. You know, they got healthy meals and then they come out with these little, these little miniature kind of desserts. And, 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 and you know, eat one, eat two. God's not going to be mad at you. He, gave you. he gave you taste buds for crying out loud. Enjoy. I'm talking about living the lifestyle where you can't let something go by without saying, I need that. God won't mind, I gotta have that. No, self-control will get you unentangled with that in the world which so easily binds you up so that you can't run the race that is set before you. Now here's the clincher and here's the catch. There's always a catch, isn't there? (laughs) I hate that. I, I, I could not be preaching you a message that is any less personal, I'm sorry, any more personal than what I'm preaching you, but any less private. See, here's what everybody's thinking. Everybody's thinking, yeah, I gotta do that, I gotta get that from my life, I gotta get that. But here's here's what the Bible says. When Jesus said, when the Bible says, I'm sorry, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you and he that is in the world, that's the principle we've been talking about. The you is plural. Do you know what that means? It means he gives us each fruit and gifts according to the role he has for us, but none of them can develop develop those on our own. We need each other. Greater is he that is in you That means y'all. It means all y'all. It means we need a faith community in order for these to become effectively functional and spiritually mature. And so I want to call you back. I want to call you back to become a part of the faith community. And if not this faith community, some faith community where they know you and where you can combine your gifts to change the world. Remember, he didn't come back just to say, you can live after you die. If he did, that would be the greatest gift, but there's even a greater gift. You can change this world for eternity while you live. And that's why we're still here. That's why you're still here. And we need to help each other develop these fruits and these gifts together. Let me pray and then I'm gonna call the the worship team back out because we're gonna break into praise here in a minute. Lord, thank you. If there be anybody in the sound of my voice that has not asked you to be their Lord and Savior, to come into their heart and live there, Lord, I pray that they would pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, I do want you to save me from my sins, I can't do that. But I know on the cross you died and you paid for my sins and give me salvation as a gift. But I also know you want to give me the power over sin in this life and wanna make me of eternal use while I live. And so therefore come into my heart and link me with other Christians so that I can be fully who you made me to be, and we can be who you made us to be together and change this world to be more like heaven. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want you to stand up. I want to tell you something. We have a tradition here. You know, every, the, every church has a different personality. All of them are wonderful. But Northland has its own unique personality. We have our own unique traditions. One of our traditions is everybody tithes on Easter. It's just a part of our exuberant giving back to the Lord. But there's another tradition. We tried to, to, to do without this song a couple of times. We almost got uh, hung. Uh, there's another tradition and that is to to, to, to sing together the song we're about to sing because this really sums up our praise and our exuberance and the remembrance not only of what Christ has done for us but for what Christ wants to do through us. So listen to this.